media program you heard helped to turn your marriage around, offered some insight on being a better parent, or taught you principles that revolutionized your prayer life. What I like most about uh, Dr. David Jeremiah is how he takes scripture and applies it. The message was about outreaching and how we should be bold and strong about sharing our faith. First, download the Truth app to your phone, the App Store if you have an iPhone, the Google Play Store if you have an Android. Then open the app and tap the small microphone at the bottom and tell us how this radio ministry has touched your life. Over the next few days, you might hear yourself on the radio, so be sure to have your friends at church listen. And thanks for sharing your story and shouting us out on WTRJ The Truth. WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkestone, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com. Who sowed the word of God into your life? True Commentary with Stu Epperson, author of the book, First Words of Jesus. If you follow the Lord today, that means somebody somewhere, somehow, at some time, sowed God's word into your life. Was it a praying grandma? Was it a mom? Was it that camp counselor? Was it that Sunday school teacher that put up with you as a wiggle worm? Is it an obnoxious kid like I was growing up? A youth pastor, a coach, whoever it was, why don't you send them a thank you letter? Because Jesus talks about the power of the word of God being sown and growing up in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the soils. It's time to thank those guys for sowing into our lives. And how about this question? Who are you sowing God's word into today? Let's spread God's word because faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17 tells us, and hearing by the word of God. How's your sowing? True Commentary with Stu Epperson, author of the book, First Words of Jesus. Available now in bookstores or go online to firstwordsofjesus.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Doug McCary and it is Thursday, February 8th. Hard to believe we're already a weekend of February 2024. And uh, I am uh, excited about our guest today. You know, Thursday's our guest day. If you're just tuning in to SWAT Radio, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors advancing truth that spawned out of the SWAT Bible studies here in the North Florida area. And we broadcast in Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, and up in Virginia, and also through our our, our app, and we stream live through SWATradio.com. So if you're listening on the radio and you're transitioning out of your car, uh, you can uh, go to SWATradio.com, click on Listen Live, and join us. Well, today... We're having a, a guest who has been one of our guests before. I love this brother. He is up in uh, North Carolina, up in Raleigh. He is a senior pastor at Capital Community Church up there. He's also the executive director of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And um, gosh, he's he's doing a lot of different things. I, I think he's got a podcast. He's uh, got a book out there. I know he wrote a, a, a book with Owen Strand, another lightweight like him. Uh, theologically, these guys uh, are are the guys that I'm so encouraged for our country that God's raising up guys like Grant and uh, Owen Strand to be the guys who will preach the truth. And so, uh, Grant, welcome to SWAT Radio again. 
Doug, it's so good to join you on your show and just love hearing just of your reach with the radio program and, and your uh, ministries in North Florida. And it's always a pleasure. Well, you know, on. just, yeah. Well, well Grant, you, no, no, I was just going to say, here's the thing, Grant. I thought seven years ago, eight years ago, when we started the radio, that that radio was kind of a dead medium because of podcast and because of, um, you know, just the YouTube. But believe it or not, we get emails, we get contacts all the time through Facebook and social media. People listen and they're listening, you know, when they're in their cars and stuff. And so I'm grateful for guys like you and Owen and others who come on on our guest day and kind of share because God has raised you up, given you a great platform. And I, I was just telling my wife the other night because she was like, who do you have on? And I said, Grant Castleberry. And, and I go, uh-huh. You're, it, when I describe you, you know what I say? He's the guy that listened to Johnny Mac while he washed dishes. That's what I, that's what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that yeah. funny? Uh, what'd she say when you, what'd she say when you said that? She goes, wow, I wish, you know, maybe I should have done that. You know that, I mean, it was because <laughs> what a way to pass yeah. the time. I mean, is there a better way than listening yeah. to a guy who's faithfully preaching the word and, uh, and it had an impact on you. You shared that last time you were on and you were also uh, a Marine. I just texted you a picture. I'm wearing my Marine shirt for you today. Um, okay. you, you did, uh, you probably I'm didn't see right now. Yeah. I, I just texted you in the studio. I'm wearing my, my Marine Corps colors for you. Uh, you know, as I came oh, in, uh, you went to Texas A&M, uh, and then, uh, whoop. All right, for all those A and M uh, people out there, I know we have some that listen. And uh, then you went up to uh, the Moeller School, I call it, up in uh, Louisville, and uh, got your uh, Master's of Divinity, and then uh, your uh, you got your doctorate up there too, didn't you? I'm finishing my doctorate right now. Okay, I'm literally, yeah, I'm I'm and I'm in the final stretch. I'm writing a dissertation on Martin Lloyd Jones. Oh man, what a great and, guy he and, is, right? Preachers and Preaching, one of my favorite books. Such an awesome guy. That's absolutely right. And I would encourage any of your listeners mm. to go to the Martin Lloyd Jones Trust website or they they have an app in the App Store, the MLJ Trust app, and just start listening to sermons. It'll take maybe a minute to get used to his Welsh accent and then <laughs> it's just it's uh it really is logic on fire where mm. the truth just takes flight mm. and it's uh, you know, you don't hear much preaching like that anymore Yeah, where it it's transcendent. It gets you to God and it, and it makes you want to go back and read the text more. And I think that's always a, a, a good mark of, of excellent preaching is that it, it, gives you a desire to one want to know god more and then two want to go back to the word where you leave leave hungry uh to go back and study god's truth you know i can honestly say that that's probably one of the most encouraging things i believe is a a communicator of god's truth when somebody you've been preaching to says i never saw that in scripture i'm going to go back and read that you know, isn't that, isn't that just, isn't that music to your ears when you hear that, when somebody... I mean, that's what you want to hear, I think, as a preacher, mm-hmm. is, and as somebody who myself, you know, preaches every week, 
I don't want to hear so much, oh, that was a great sermon, or <laughs> I, I really like that illustration. You know, can you do tell that illustration? I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, oh, my goodness, God is so great and awesome, mm-hmm. or this so helped me and ministered to me, mm-hmm. or I am right. learning so much about God and His Word and about truth that I'm now applying it in my life in a new way, and I'm growing. You know, those are the things I think as a as a preacher and and teacher of God's word that you want to hear again and again. Well, I I'm excited to ask you some questions because I know you are a thinker. I know that you're working on this PhD in the area, if I remember right, of history, right, and theology both. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I did did uh, church history and systematic theology at Southern and, and just in final dissertation stage now. Well, I, I, so I want, I want to ask you a couple of questions and tap into that. Um, uh, but first, uh, I want to ask you about you. How's your family? How's Grace Anna? And how is your new baby? Who's not new anymore. We were going to try to get you to come do the, the, the SWAT training day last year. Last and you, yeah, yeah. And you were having a baby, uh, how's the baby doing? The baby is doing great. We named him Truman. Okay. After my, after my great grandfather, and he's doing well. My 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 bride is doing great. Uh, you know, five kids. We're both both very busy. Uh, a little short on sleep, but uh, we're just savoring. You know, every minute of having five kids under our roof. Mm, yeah, and, that, and that's uh, your, that's a that's your primary ministry, isn't it? Really, I mean, like I you, love I love getting the proverb of the day <laughs> and just sitting down with you know whoever is available, whoever's not doing schoolwork, and just sitting down and walking them through, you know, the, reading the proverb of the day, and we talk about it, talk about its application, and you know, pray with the kids. It's just it's it's fun. A well, lot of fun. well, I'm I'm very grateful for you. you I know, we we haven't spoken that much since you've been on here, but I keep up with you through your social media, um, through uh, unashamedtruth.org. Uh, if you want some good um, encouragement, uh, you can go to unashamedtruth.org, and uh, you can also. Go to Capital Community Church um, dot com and um, go on there. If if you are going to be in the Raleigh area, I highly encourage you to stop in and uh, and and say hi to Grant, and uh, you will be blessed by the preaching of God's word there. And are you you still are, if I'm correct, uh, the executive director for the Council on Manhood and Womanhood, right? Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. So I am not anymore. Okay. That so that's Owen, news to Owen me. Okay. I, <laughs> Owen and I are good friends with uh Denny Burke is the president and a guy named Colin Smothers. Yeah. I know Denny. Director. Yeah, I know Denny. That's and good. and th- those guys are great guys. So I full hardly support cbmw okay. but i'm no longer uh doing that role and you just mentioned unashamed truth which started as a radio ministry here in raleigh on uh the truth network yeah and 
and start started a podcast off of that so it's on itunes uh but yeah would would uh love for your listeners to check out unashamed truth yeah and by the way the truth network up there is Stu epperson jr and um Stu, Stu is running our our place too down here you know his dad uh passed away uh last yeah. year and Stu senior helped start this program and um you oh, know, wow. yeah, he, okay. he, uh, his, his daughter actually, but it was, uh, I got to know him very well and, uh, really was sad to see him go. What a giant in the field of broadcast. I mean, just, uh, started Salem communication, but, uh, I'm glad you're on up there, uh, uh Grant. And again, uh, I, I just want to encourage our listeners, Grant Castleberry and his wife, Grace Anna, they have five children. And, right, five, is that correct? That's correct. All right, pray for them. Pray God's protection around them because he is on the front lines. He's a warrior, and, you know, he's, he, like I said, was a Marine, and I know he has, he has brought a lot of that to ministry. God used him in that way, trained him in that way, and he's got him. Um, I just was with Dr. Moeller a couple of weeks ago who came down here and spoke at an event down here and he seemed to do being well and they runs a great school up mm-hmm. there in fact brad sykes who's usually on the radio with me is in orlando right. with a guy who's friends with you named jeff dalrymple they're down there doing something yeah and uh yeah. they're meeting today with dan dumas and dan oh, dumas goodness. was the navy swimmer who was on the mission to uh, rescue your dad right is that correct i think if am i yeah, for just as a as a refresher, um, my father was was a Marine Corps aviator, and in a training routine mission in 1986 over the Atlantic Ocean, his plane collided with another plane while they were dogfighting, hmm. and the pilot and the navigator of the other aircraft were able to eject, whereas my father and his navigator were not able to eject. And they had a uh, the other the other two guys were picked up by fishing boats who saw the crash, but uh, they had a huge search and rescue operation that went on for I think a week uh, a week of non you know nonstop searching. And Dan Dumas, who is a ministry leader, he was he was a the vice president at the seminary when I went to seminary. Uh, was one of the Navy search and rescue divers on the helicopters out looking for my dad. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a surreal conversation where we figured that out. And I was telling him about my dad. He was asking me what year it happened. And it just all came together. And, I mean, I was I had tears in my eyes when he told me, you know, I was on the helicopter out looking for your dad. Isn't, isn't that just um, is so like God, oh? I mean, like just to bring you two guys together at a seminary, right? I mean, isn't that crazy? Exactly, exactly. And uh, they did find my dad's helmet, his fighter pilot helmet, and I actually have it in my office. Wow. And I, I, I love that because – in Ephesians chapter six, the helmet is the helmet of salvation. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, it, it was almost as if God was saying, look, you don't need, you know, a mangled body to know that your that your dad's gone. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you this special symbol 
which is the symbol of salvation. And of course, I know my dad was a believer. I've got his Bibles. I've, you know, I know uh, his faith. So uh, I have no doubt where, you know, where he is. But there was that finality in, in recovering the helmet that uh, brought closure in, in, in that sense. Yeah. Isn't it comforting? Oh, my mom passed away last year um, and she was a believer. And Grant, I found uh, five of her Bibles from the sixties. Like it was like every 10 years she changed Bibles or got another Bible and they were marked up. They, everyone had the plan of salvation in the front of it written out. Her story was written in several of them, like her testimony. It was so encouraging just to go over that and see that and go, wow, you know, see God at work. So it, it is special to have that, bible you know to know it to know because i'm doing a memorial service tomorrow for one of my swat bible study guys and he came to faith at 89 and and he had been baptized and went to church but he really said i it it never i was never really following and and for you know 80 something years and so the last five years of his life he lived as an unashamed that's why i love the name of your podcast in your thing he was unashamed of his faith and was talking to everybody about it and um isn't that a sign for people i mean when shouldn't we all be unashamed of our relationship with jesus shouldn't we all be overflowing uh grant i mean like uh in our world today there's so many people that say they're believers but it seems like they're more ashamed of him than they are unashamed of him I mean, I think that's one of the marks of a true Christian Hmm. is that you are willing to be counted with Christ Mm -hmm. over and against the world. Hmm. You know, in America, so many people claim to be Christians, Mm -hmm. and you have Christian traditions, you have many Roman Catholics, you have uh, mainline churches which lost the gospel a long time ago, so there's many people that would claim the name of Christ but in reality are not genuine believers and live very worldly lives. Mm. But, you know, to your point, you know, Jesus said, and this is uh, John chapter 15. I'm turning there right now. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Mm. If you were of the world love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Mm-hmm. So there's an antithesis, isn't there, between true Christianity and the world. Mm-hmm. And if and if Jesus has called you out of that, I think every Christian feels that tension, mm-hmm. that you are part of as Paul says in Colossians 1, you're a part of his kingdom now, not the kingdom of darkness. Mm-hmm. And that, yes, we we do need to stand and be counted with Christ, even if it comes at great cost. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Mm. Yeah, and that's true. Um, you know, you. Um, I know you're very much aware 
of uh, the the recent controversy with Alistair Begg. And one of the things, as a pastor, you have to um, you have to shepherd your flock through these issues because a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. And, and really, our opinions don't matter as much as what God's Word says, what the truth is, as we deal with that. And there's a lot of pressure now because of what has happened with uh, Alistair. Uh, again, um, you, you, you know, I know Ligonier put out an article. I'm just interested mm-hmm. to know as a pastor, how did you address it with your body? Have you addressed it with your body? Are you going to address it with your body? And if so, uh, for the person out there who goes, well, you know, I, I really think it, it's compassionate to go attend because I want to support the person. I don't support their sin. How, how are you responding to that, Grant, as a pastor? What I did, this I did this two weeks ago, I guess. I actually officiated a wedding. Mm-hmm church. And all of this stuff was, was, you know, a lot of people, there was a lot of chatter and just, just so your, your listeners are clear. Um, have you already talked about this on previous programs or? Yeah. yeah but real quick, you can give a quick okay. synopsis just for people. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically Alistair, who I love and is, um, is such a, a formidable influence in my life. Um, great preacher i mean my goodness one of the one of the you know great expositors of our day mm-hmm. gave uh and he, he was on the truth for life radio program and he he said to, to bob lapine who was the host of the program that we need to be compassionate and as an example of that he used the example of a, of a grandmother who called in and said uh you know my my grandson is taking part in a transgender uh, wedding, should I go? And Alistair said, I surprised her by saying, I think you should go. And oh, by the way, I think you should bring a gift because you going, and I should caveat that, he, he said, do they know where you stand? Do, do, do they know that you think that this is wrong? And she said, yes. And then he said, you should go because your, your going will surprise them with compassion and love. So that was Alistair's advice, and uh, what I did is I officiated this wedding on a Saturday, and after the wedding, I recorded a literally a minute and a half video outside the church. You can go to my Instagram feed, and it's also on my Twitter feed, but I did a minute and a half video on why it's actually not compassionate to go to a gay or transgender wedding. And uh, the reason that I focused on is because the a wedding itself is an affirmation of what's taking place. So it used to be in the old liturgy, you know, in the, the book of, you know, common prayer where the, the minister would say, if anyone has a reason why these two should not be joined together in holy matrimony, speak now or forever hold your peace. And the reason for that is because your presence at the ceremony itself was essentially an affirmation or blessing on the covenant vows that were taking place, that you're, you're there in support. And if you're not in support, you need to speak up. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it, so, and, it, and it's, it's a celebration, fun. right? I mean, a, a wedding right, yeah. is, sure, is you, a celebration. Yeah. So the question isn't really about compassion and kindness, because we can be kind to an, uh, uh, a gay family member in innumerable ways. There's so many things that we can do. But the wedding ceremony itself is an affirmation of sin in this case. And it's just like all those bakers and florists, like Baronel Stutzman. You remember her? She was the uh, the, oh, yeah. the florist uh-huh. who, wouldn't, who wouldn't provide the flowers yeah. for the gay wedding. You know, her argument was, I'll provide. She, she had serviced these um, homosexual clients for years, for birthdays, for, you know, all sorts of events. But she said, I just can't support the wedding ceremony itself because I can't support the the celebration of the sin the mm-hmm. blessing of the sin mm-hmm. that was the logic and it was and it was dead on logic mm-hmm. and and that's the logic that we need to have as as believers that we want to show compassion and love but we can't compromise our convictions we can't compromise the truth for the sake of trying to be compassionate and by the way that's the world's version of compassion which is truthless and without conviction mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a good word right there, uh, because, uh, you know, there there are people who said, you know, because Moeller kind of alluded to that in a thing he put out about the the uh, Book of Common Prayer. And some people have said that, well, you know, the um, that's not really the Bible. That was just liturgy. You know, it was just stuff. But I keep coming back to the fact that there's no wedding that is not viewed as a celebration. Like when you invite somebody, you're inviting them to join you in this moment that and celebrate the moment with you. And and I just I can't for any reason believe that uh, Jesus would be celebrating sin in any way, shape or form. I, I just can't believe that. I can't believe he wants me to do that. All right. I mean, like, uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what does light have to do with darkness? Yeah. And I, I've seen some other guys. I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, who used this argument. I, I saw it on social media. But it's like the sins of the left, mm-hmm. you know, be it LBGTQ stuff or whatever sexual sin you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the media and everything is trying to desensitize us to that. Mm-hmm. But let's take, for example, if somebody had a Ku Klux Klan rally and they were participating, you know, your grandson's participating in the rally and he's going to be hooded. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, can, w- would you come? This is going to be a great honor to me. I think we would all say, okay, this is a very clear situation that you shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Alistair's advice, well, do they know where you stand? Well, it doesn't really make a difference if they know where you stand. If you still go to the, the rally, you're taking part in that sin. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it's very clear there. And I think everybody would denounce that. But yeah. it's it's really no different on this side, except this is a sin that our culture is trying to normalize. Yeah. Um, well, what do you see as a pastor shepherding your church here um we we got a couple of minutes for this break 
as we continue to move forward through this cultural tsunami <laughs> in this arena, it, it is becoming more, this was my biggest struggle with what Alistair said was it almost empowered uh, what I would call weak believers or, or people that are pushing a woke or a, what I would call a compromising agenda. Um, wh- what do you see happening? Do you see it becoming more divided in that area? Are, are you hearing pastors address this, um, you know, this issue? Because uh, one guy told me that uh, there's like 25% of people under the age of 18 are identifying as gay or trans right now. And I go, 25%? He said, yeah, they're, they're, you know, a lot of people, it didn't mean they always last that long. So I think this is something that we're going to continue to see. And you got grandparents that are wanting to love their grandkids and they're not knowing what to do. Are you hearing people address it or are you hearing it just kind of omitted, <laughs> you know, cause I know you I run think, in those circles. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, the consensus in conservative reformed evangelicalism has been, this is not good. And that was poor advice that Alistair Begg gave their grandmother. I have seen that consensus from Todd Frill, Albert Moeller, my friend Owen Strand, my friend Costi Hinn, I I mean, John MacArthur. I mean, so numerous, numerous people have come out because I think this is uh, not a difficult issue. This is a pretty simple issue. Mm -hmm. But that being said, my wife told me that on Facebook— she has seen, as posts have been posted, numerous people side with Alistair Begg's argument that no, this is compassionate. Mm-hmm. We need to, we need to, we need to attend these types of things because it, it preserves the relationship and and uh, you know really have have bought into Alistair's argument that this is a compassionate thing to do. So, to answer your question. I do think you're going to see a lot of evangelicals, sadly, confused on this, confused on this issue, uh, compromise on this issue, and it's not going away. Well, it is, it is not going away anytime soon. But it's important that that the churches teach their people this. It's important that pastors uh, help their people understand the truth, what a wedding is and keep teaching on biblical manhood and womanhood, which really is the foundation of all these things. All right. Well, hey, I really, I love what you wrote. The best of men are men at best. And and I think that's great. So we're going to be right back after the news. Stay tuned to SWAT Radio. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window... With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Supreme Court has heard arguments about whether Donald Trump can be kept off the Colorado 2024 presidential ballot. In oral arguments, Chief Justice John Roberts says there would be big consequences if the Supreme Court agrees with Colorado. In very quick order, I would expect, um, although my predictions have never been correct, uh, I would expect that uh, you know, a goodly number of states will say, Uh, whoever the Democratic candidate is, you're off the ballot, and others 
uh, for the Republican candidate, you're off the ballot, and it'll come down to just a handful of states that are going to decide the presidential election. That's a pretty daunting consequence. The Supreme Court now mulling Trump versus Anderson, the Colorado case that cites a constitutional provision the high court has not considered since the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1868. Former President Trump was pleased with the arguments presented to the Supreme Court today. Also at SRNews.com, Israeli airstrikes have killed over a dozen people overnight, hours after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected Hamas ceasefire terms and vowed to expand the offensive into the southern Gaza town. Secretary of State Blinken has left the Middle East. A U.S. drone strike has killed several members of an Iranian-backed militia in Baghdad, including a high-ranking commander. There have been calls from Shia paramilitary leaders, pro-Iranian militia leaders, for their supporters to come out on the streets to show their anger. There have been calls also for retaliation, specifically one militia leader saying, we want blood for blood. The BBC's Orla Garan in Baghdad. The Dow is down 16 points, but the Nasdaq ahead 52. This is SRN News. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. No active accidents, but there is planned construction to be aware of on I-95 southbound at Airport Road blocking the left lane. Also, there's planned construction on US-1 Phillips Highway northbound before Bowden Road blocking the right lane. Partly cloudy tonight, low 48. Friday, partly sunny, high 74. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and uh, I have uh, Grant Castleberry, my fellow Marine and fellow brother in the Lord, fellow minister, servant of the gospel. And uh, I'm so excited to have him on again. He has a, uh, a, a podcast radio. Is it a radio program or a podcast, Grant? It's both. So I, I broadcast daily on the truth network here in raleigh so i I would love to get on other stations uh with Stu epperson jr's the truth network but 
right now just locally here in Raleigh, but then I have a podcast as well on iTunes. If people go to the uh, Spotify or iTunes store and just search Unashamed, Unashamed Truth Podcast. And you can go to unashamedtruth.org also. And um, and then also uh, somebody, he, he had mentioned his Twitter or X now. If you go to at GR Castleberry, castle like a castle and then B-E-R-R-Y, at uh, GR Castleberry, uh, you can follow him on Twitter and um, he puts out some stuff that's really good. I, I, I shared this. I don't know if people heard it right before we went to the break that, um, y- you know, you, you put out a Twitter um, feed about responding to him uh, back when it happened, when he first came out, this came out about Alistair Begg, that he has been one of the most important leaders and voices in modern evangelicalism, biblically sound and faithful for longer than you've been alive, you said. And you appreciate him, which I love. You know, Doug Wilson put out something very similar. You don't throw away all of a year's of ministry of truth because he's human. But he, you know, you said the best of men are men at best, and we're all flawed. And it is a good reminder because sometimes when you get a guy like an Alistair Begg or even a John MacArthur or you or anybody, you can be so influenced by them and because they 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 give you God's word, they teach God's word faithfully, but they're still just men. They're just instruments. And at any time, it's just a reminder to all of us. My, you know what my wife calls these? They're 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 uh, road warning markers. <laughs> that that, that, that you know they're road warning markers saying be careful. You know, and and you and me behind a microphone or up on a platform. When you're preaching or teaching, you can you, you just you can be really easily taken down a road where you start believing your press reports and think it's you instead of the spirit in you. And I'm not saying Alistair dig that. I'm just saying he's human, just like we all are. And and it, That's it's right. it's just a reminder to us. Well, that being said, Grant, I I'd like to delve in because you do have a history. Um, you, you know, you're, 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 you've researched history and theology and, um, there's, there's issues that come up time to time around here in the, in relationship to, uh, the gospel, uh, and the order salutis or just, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg that were we regenerated and, and then faith came, you know, that the whole thing and it, and it relates back to reform theology and, and people usually swing into one of two camps. One is Calvinism, they call it, and the other is Arminianism. And that's what you hear. But a lot of times people hear those phrases, they're not really sure what that really means. Can you give us a reform, <laughs> a John Calvin, because I don't even know if Calvin would be Calvinist by some people's standards today. Uh, could you give us a, 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 you know, a reform for dummies, the difference between reform thinking on salvation and God's sovereignty in it and with the five points and then Arminian, the Arminian view that's held by, by most? Absolutely. And that's such a, this is such a, a huge subject matter. I mean, this is just, this is just monumental and it, and it's monumentally important. Yeah. 
that people understand this. And I personally, I don't like the terminology of Calvinism Mm -hmm. because I don't think, I don't think, and, and, and it, you know, when pressed, I would consider myself a Calvinist, but I don't like that term because it has so many connotations uh-huh. and so many people have defined it differently mm-hmm. than, than what it truly means. Some people think, oh, a Calvinist is somebody that doesn't believe in evangelism and world missions mm-hmm. because God's already going to save his elect or, or something like that. So I think what is called Reformed theology is really simply biblical theology. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's simply the doctrines and truths that are coming out of the Scriptures, and it's Reformed theology in the sense that in the Reformation, Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and William Tyndale and John Knox, all to a man, taught what is called Reformed theology. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially what Reformed theology teaches is what Jonah the prophet says in, in Jonah chapter 2, is that salvation is of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That That is, in essence, re- Reformed theology, that God is the one who saves. Mm-hmm. And, and somewhere along the way, and this is where, this is, you know, Jacob Arminius is who taught this in, in, uh, in the Netherlands, but but basically uh, John Wesley as well uh, kind of popularized what Ar- Arminius taught. But um, you know people have said, okay, well God does His part, but we do our part, mm-hmm. and that's kind of more the Arminian argument. So if I were to try to teach this in the way that I that I teach it to my people, is I say, look, you really first have to understand sin mm-hmm. and what the Bible says about sin and what the Bible says about sin's effect on each of us. What I'm talking about is, this is a, a theological term, but the doctrine of original sin, mm-hmm. that Adam sinned. And Paul says in Romans 5, verse 12, that in Adam, we all sin, mm-hmm. that that Adam is essentially a representative of for us, and that in Adam's sin, uh, we were counted as sinners. And people say, well, wait a second, I don't think that's fair, because I wasn't in the Garden of Eden that day. Well, just as we're counted as sinners in Adam, guess what? In Christ, we're counted as righteous. So if you want that imputation, if you want to be declared righteous in Christ through faith, then you also have to understand this imputation of sin and, and death that we all receive in Adam. And that explains why every single person is going to die. And obviously you have the exceptions of Enoch and, and um, et cetera. But, you know, those are the exceptions to the rule. You know, the writer of Hebrews says it's appointed for every man to die once, and then comes the judgment. Mm-hmm. So we are all subjugated to the reality of sin. Uh, Genesis 6-5 says, as a result of this, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, Mm-hmm. and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm-hmm. And Paul says in Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. Listen to this. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Mm-hmm. So man left to himself will not respond to the gospel. 
people say, oh, well, the difference, you know, why I'm a, I, I, you know, I'm a Christian and, and so-and-so's not is because, because I responded and they didn't. Well, Paul says in Romans, quoting the Old Testament, in actuality, nobody seeks for God. Mm-hmm. Nobody has good intentions. He goes on to say, no one does good, not even one. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, is because man, as a result of Adam's sin, is in spiritual bondage to sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says in Romans 6 that we are slaves of sin. He says in Romans 8 that we are in the flesh, not in the spirit. He says in 2 Corinthians 4 that we are spiritually blind, that mm-hmm. we can't even see. He says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He says in Ephesians 2.1 that man is spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. Dead. Ne- necros is the Greek word. And so I used to think, and I think a lot of people think of evangelism like this, that salvation is kind of like this, that you have a, uh, a cruise ship, like the Titanic, for example, that has sunk, and you have a lot of people that are in the ocean, out treading water, crying for help. Save me, save me. Mm-hmm. And when you come to evangelize, you're, you're basically throwing out that, that life preserver and say, grab on and I'll you know, pull you in. That's how a lot of people view our response. That's how a lot of people view what evangelism is, mm-hmm. that, that we do our part and then that person does their part in cooperating with God's grace. Mm-hmm. But Paul says it's not that at all. In reality, what it is, is it's dead bodies floating in the water. Mm-hmm. And what God has to do is God has to do a resuscitation. It's, it's the book of Ezekiel when God tells Ezekiel to go preach to the Valley of Dry Bones. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what do you mean, Lord? He's like, you preach, and, and I will add the flesh and the, the living heart in, in this in this army, but you go preach. I remember uh, hearing Erwin Lutzer in his preaching classes at Moody would take them to a big kind of gothic cemetery. The cemetery, yeah, I heard Chicago. that too. Yeah, you know, and he would say, "Go preach in the cemetery," and they're like, "What? What are we doing? You know, what? What is this?" And Lutzer's point was, "Well, that's what you are encountering spiritually." You are encountering people who are completely dead in their sins, and in and of themselves, they will not respond to the gospel. Mm. So what is necessary then is what is called the new birth, or regeneration, as you put it. Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Unless someone is born again, they cannot even see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So what is necessary then is for a person to be born again. And as an immediate result of being born again, John says in 1 John 5, 1, um, whoever believes has been born of God. Mm-hmm. You, you profess faith in Christ. That's, you, that's your action. Yes, you believe. You repent of your sins. You believe. But it's a result of the supernatural work that God the Holy Spirit does in your heart 
in allowing you to see and regenerating you, imparting that new life. So you see Christ for who he truly is and that you respond in repentance and faith. And sometimes that is called irresistible grace. Mm-hmm. So you ask about TULIP. So I covered total depravity. Total depravity is is the, the doctrine that man in and of himself cannot respond to the gospel apart from divine supernatural grace. Mm-hmm. Irresistible grace is that sovereign work of regeneration that takes place in the heart as the Word of God goes forth. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's called uh, the call, mm-hmm. the the supernatural call of God, or the inward call of God, or the effectual call of God. And you see that in Romans chapter eight, mm-hmm. for example, verse twenty nine and thirty. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. He foreknew, yep, to be conformed to the image of the Son. Those who he predestined, he called, mm-hmm. and that calling is not. It it, it comes. Th- it comes with the voice of the preacher. You know, we call the sinners all the time to repent and believe, but that is the the effectual call of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says, or sorry, Luke says that when Paul was preaching in Philippi, he was preaching, and and Luke records that God opened up the heart of Lydia mm-hmm. to respond. That's the that's the 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 difference between the the outward call, the general call, and the effectual call in the heart. Yeah, well, so I want I want to jump in real quick yeah. because you mentioned Romans eight twenty nine. Some people, um, I believe in error, teach that that verse in Romans eight uh, verse twenty nine that when it says he foreknew that well God knew I would choose him or he knew that people would choose him and. And so, therefore, he enabled them because he knew they were going to choose him. But that still puts it like man could do that on his own apart from God. Right. Right. right? I mean, right. So, so yeah, th- three responses to that. One, man is totally depraved. So outside of the irresistible grace of God, man will not respond. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, so you're foreseeing something that will not happen outside of God's action. Second is the word itself for new, which is prognosco. And uh, that word knowledge, gnosko, oftentimes in the Bible refers to intimacy. Adam knew his wife, you know, and she conceived and bore a son. It's not just talking about head knowledge. It's talking about a knowledge of intimacy and love. Mm-hmm. Those whom God foreloved. Mm-hmm. You know, God God didn't just know you, Doug, know facts about you. He foreloved you, mm-hmm. and that's why he predestined you. Mm-hmm. So that word, prognosco, is a loaded word. It doesn't just mean like we knew, we foreknew something would happen as if we, you know, watched the Back to the Future movie or something. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it speaks to a, a love that we have ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the biblical sense. And then the third reply to that, I would say, are so many other scriptures that teach that our response to God is a result of his pursuit of us, not the other way around. And let me give you just a couple examples of that. For example, in 
John chapter 6. This is... Um, This is, let's see here, um, I think it's verse 30. This is 37. Is that what you're thinking? Let's see here. Um, no. Well, he repeats it again um, in verse 65. He says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And the he's referencing, sorry, this is verse 44. Okay. This is the one I was looking for. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me calls him, Mm. and I will raise him up on the last day. Mm. So Jesus says, you can't come to me unless my Father first draws you. That word draw is the same word that's used to describe pulling a bucket up from the bottom of a well. So you ask yourself, how much work does the bucket do in bringing itself from the bottom of the well to the top of the well? Nothing. It, it's being it's being drawn from another force. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you can't, in your own depravity, come to me unless my Father who sent me draws him. Uh, another verse. This is um, John chapter 15. I mean, this is just so crystal clear, and this is from the lips of our Lord. He says, this is John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So, I mean, that to me is just crystal clear. You did not choose me, but I chose you. So this whole idea that foreknown means that God foresees that we would choose him, and that's why he chooses us, is the complete opposite and reversal of the clear teaching of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other things that people really struggle with, with this, we call it reform theology, is that, well, um, if God created somebody knowing he was they were they were never— come to him why would he create him right i mean like that that is a real it is a hard question it is a it is a it is something that is a real issue for people they you know they they say it's unfair you know you you hear that well we don't fair would mean he wipes out everybody right none of us deserve anything so but why would he save some and not the others? He made this person. You know, I'm sure you've had to deal with that. I'm sure you get that question, too, uh, in trying to work through this. Or you certainly, how, how do you respond to that? I think, you know, if you read what Paul says in Romans chapter 9, um, you know, Paul basically says, look, this is the doctrine of what you're talking about, the doctrine of election. Mm-hmm. And 
because if people are irresistibly called, then the next the next point in the tulip is unconditional election. This is this is whom God chooses to call. Mm-hmm. And the question and and uh, the I guess complaint against the doctrine of election is well, why does God only call some? Why does not God call? everyone. And and part of the answer to that, Paul says first, he says, well, who are you, oh man, to answer back to God? You know, God's ways are not our, our ways. So who are we to question the deep counsels of, of God's will? Are we smarter than God? But secondly, Paul does say, you know, that he uh, wants the vessels of mercy to appreciate the mercy that they've be, been given in a sense by by only saving some, his mercy and his grace are made all the more wonderful and, and clear because there's a, the contrast that with the doctrine of election, election the, the reprobation, you know, there's a sense where it's like, oh, wow, like God saved me out of this world of sin, death, and darkness. Mm-hmm. And but for the grace of God, there goes I, I would be a sinner destined for hell. And by the way, God doesn't uh, – it's not an unjust act for God to send someone to hell because they are going to hell because they have committed sin, or as R.C. Sproul would say, cosmic treason against God. No one is in hell unjustly. So the doctrine of election isn't unjust in the sense that God chooses to save some, that's, that's grace. It's not unjust for God to be gracious to some. Well, those who remain in their sin are, you know, going to hell because it's just not because it's unjust. So you, you would, you know, I mentioned the Ordo Salutis earlier, basically the order of salvation historically, would you, would, would, and jump in and, change or or correct but it's my understanding based on reform teaching uh that god it starts with god right election then there's the the call people or they hear the message um uh, they hear the message but there's the regeneration from the spirit that opens your ability to hear that call and respond to that call there's the conversion which is the faith and repentant part, the the belief, the repent and believe, then the justification, and then the adoption, you're actually in his family, and then the sanctification, the perseverance, and then the glorification. Is is, is that pretty much yeah, the historical? Yeah, so I, I just... And perseverance, that P in tulip, I should add. Yeah. That's the last point, is that if God saves you, God will keep you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the, the Arminian understanding, if you joined up, then you can join out. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I appreciate you uh, going through that. I, I just think it's important for us to not just believe something, but even, and I appreciate the scriptures you brought out, and there's a lot more. There's a lot of scriptures, and I encourage people. I usually push them to Romans 8 and 9 because <laughs> those are good texts that deal with the whole idea of election. Is there another passage 
that we we got about one minute left. Is there another passage that you? I mean, like Ephesians to... two, mm-hmm. Ephesians two, I think is an important an important chapter, just talking about man's deadness and how salvation is of grace. Uh, Ephesians one, uh, Paul unpacks the doctrine of election. Malachi chapter one. I mean, it's all there. And and if I might say just one more thing, I know I know you're having to wind this up. Uh, election doesn't get you off 